All right. What's up, Chapel? Hey, I want to welcome online. Keep clapping for online. Welcome to lobby. Men and women of Chesterfield County, love you all. Go on and have a seat. How y'all doing today? Hey, if we have not gotten to meet, my name is Jason. I am lucky enough to be a pastor here at the chapel. You will usually find me in the city of Richmond on Sundays. So I get to the honor with my family to lead the Scott's Edition location. And so today I'm going to hang out with you all a little bit. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, we're just now coming up on five years of being at the chapel, which is crazy to think uh, super fast. Um, you know how when you say that, you're like, it feels like a long time, but also really short. So it's just been an amazing time. Our family's been uh, probably in ministry almost 20 years. And so this, these five years have been the best five years that we have ever had in ministry. Uh, this has been the most amazing church to be a part of and to serve with Pastor Brandon and Katie, the most phenomenal leaders um, that we have. And so I just want to honor Pastor Brandon and Katie and just say thank you uh, just for all that they do, just how they lead us, um, just everything that's happening. We, we, we have amazing pastors, y'all. I'm telling you, they are phenomenal people. So thank you, Pastor Brandon and Katie, just for believing in us, believing in our family, and so excited for uh, today to get to share. So can I pray for us real quick? God, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you for just what you're going to do. And so, God, I just ask you just to speak today, speak to us. Um, God, just prepare our hearts and our minds and everything that you have. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. So we're in a series, Summer at the Chapel. How's your summer been? It's hot. What in the world, right? Crank up that AC. So it's, it's been a hot summer, but it's been a fun summer. We've got a lot of things happening. And so today, I actually just want to talk to you a little bit about the power of encouragement. The power of encouragement. People all around us need encouragement. You and I need encouragement. You may have got up this morning and thought, man, I hope the pastor's got a word of encouragement. Guess what? It's going to be encouraging today. You need it. I need it. The people around us need it. We all benefit. I don't know anybody that does not need encouragement. Some of you, it's not even 10 o'clock yet, and you already need encouragement, right? It's been that kind of morning. But do this. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look like you need some encouragement. Some of y'all afraid to say it. I can tell. You definitely need to say it. So the definition of encouragement is the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. How desperately do people need that today? How desperately do you and I need that today? Encouragement isn't just an emotion. It's actually an, an action. You have to do something. You have to say something to encourage. It's infusing hope in life into someone. So if you are encouraging, that means you've got something to say. The purpose would be to give them hope, to support them, to give them new confidence, to give them fresh confidence. You are building them up. With encouragement, you can literally change a person's perspective. You can change how they look at things, how they, how they say, see things, right? People that have given up can be given hope to get up. It can change everything. You know, the, the reason that we are here is one, is to gather and worship God, but the second thing is to encourage one another. I don't know if you've noticed, but man, everyone that you come across is facing some type of battle. Usually something on, on the inside, there's, there's a battle going on that people are, are going through. It might not be obvious from the outside, but on the inside, they're facing a battle. Many of you could be here facing a battle today. You might be sitting in this room thinking about the battle that's going on inside of you. I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, man, the, our world seems pretty negative these days. 
There's not a lot, of, a lot of positivity, right? So many people are facing loneliness and seclusion and depression, suicidal thoughts, right? Any, anything, you, anything you look at, you see, you can, you can turn on the news and you can get, get down and depressed. You can get on social media, you can get bummed out. There, you can turn on the weather channel and you're like, right? It doesn't matter where you look. It is, it's not hard to find negativity. And I get to talk to a lot of people as well. And, People are just going through heartbreak and, and, and heartache and just, just turmoil with, with, even within their own families. Right? Things can be so polarizing. And the world and people are really, there's a lot of incredible just hateness, just meanness, just, just the words that are being spoken is just extremely hurtful. So if I could give you a big thought for today, if I could give you, if you're like, I'm checking out after this, this would be it. This is your big thought. You need to write something down. Here we go. You have no idea what God might do through a single word of encouragement. You have no idea what God could do through you. You have no idea what God can speak to you to build someone's faith, to build someone's hope. So I'm gonna take the next few minutes and I wanna talk about how powerful encouragement is. You guys good with that? We're gonna talk about some encouragement. So if there's a, a key verse that I wanna use that's in Hebrews, it says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So we established, right, that everybody's going through a battle. Everybody's going through something that, that we, we don't know about. So how does that affect their life? How does it affect other lives? We're talking relationships, spouse, friendships, kids, neighbors, coworkers, the people you see at the grocery store. And I think as believers, it is, if there's anybody that should be intentional, if there's anybody that should be encouraging, it should be us. Right, especially as the church, we should be the most encouraging people out there. People that we come in contact, people that we see, people that we work with. We should be leading. If there was a championship, we should be winning it when it comes to encouragement. So what does that look like for us? What does that look like for others? So I got a, a few thoughts for you. I don't know if you write down notes or you take pictures, but I'm going to give you a few thoughts. We're going to pray, sing a song at the end, and we're going to head out. You guys good? All right, here we go. First thought. When you're surrounded by people who speak encouragement, it changes the way you see yourself. Changes the way you see yourself. We talk about this a lot, but how many of you guys know that friendships are important? Right? They're key. They're vital. That's what we talk about, groups. Get, it, get in with the right people, your tribe, your, whoever that is. This is a make or break kind of thing. Have you ever been some, around someone that just makes you, think, makes you feel and think that you're great? Feels good, doesn't it? like an encourager that just lifts you up. It changes the way you see things, how you feel, right? Your head gets bigger and bigger and you start floating off the ground because it's just, man, people just make you feel good. You ever been around Debbie Downer? Sorry if your name's Debbie. No offense. Two different things. It's how you feel, how you see things, how you, how you talk to people. When you think well about you, it's amazing how much better you will do life with others. When you think how you think about you. Who you surround yourself with will determine everything. How you see life, how you see yourself. If we were to sit down and I was to ask you about your friends, you're like, my friends are pretty negative. Uh, man, they're just, just down, just pretty critical. I would dare to say that you're pretty down and critical and negative. If you're like, man, my friends are positive. They're so encouraging. That sounds like a K-Love radio commercial. Positive encouraging, K-Love radio. If like, you're just talking about how great those people are, I would say that you are those people, that you are encouraging, you are life-giving. You bring that. So friendships are important. The people you surround yourself with are important. You guys know about Job? You ever heard about Job's friends? You, I don't want no friends like Job. 
Job really messed up. I don't know what he was doing. He, he surrounded himself with the wrong people. So Job is this guy in the Old Testament. Job was a, a good and godly man, but the enemy, Satan, attacked Job and, and robbed him of more than you could ever even imagine. So what did his friends do? His friends got around him and got up all in his business, right? They're saying things like, it's your fault. You deserve it. You're going through this because of your sin, right? They were just negative, blah, 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 blah. This is how Job responds. He says, I have heard all this before. What miserable comforters you are. Won't you ever stop blowing hot air? What makes you keep on talking, right? You ever want to say this to your friends? Quote scripture. What makes you keep talking, right? You, you, now you have the Bible on your side for this one, right? What makes you keep on talking, right? You want people just, you want them to stop. He's like, man, you guys are terrible. I could say the same things if I were you in my place. I could spout off criticism and shake my head at you. But if it were me, I would encourage you. I would try to take away your grief. He says, but if it were me, everybody say that, say, if it were me, if it were me, I would use my words to give life. If it were me, I would speak some, some words that encourage you, that lift you up, that I see that you're in a low place. I want to encourage you. I would fight to be the most encouraging voice this side of heaven. The, the words that we speak are filled with power. You guys know that? Man, the, our words can either build up or they can tear down. Proverbs says the tongue has the power of life and death. That's power right there. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The message version says words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. The way that we speak, the way that we talk, saying that the, those who love to talk will have consequences. Right? Your, your words are going to come back on you. They're going to come back to you. You will reap what you sow. What you speak, you will reap. What you speak, you will reap. Another way to say it is this. Not that. We become the conversations that we behold. We become the conversations that we behold. Have you ever been around a couple, some people, and you're like, so are you guys brother and sister? And you're like, nah, we've been married for 25 years. Oh, great. Right? You, they start to look like each other. They start to, you know, they create a resemblance. You see somebody's kids, you're like, man, I know who your dad is. I can tell, yeah, right? I know who your mom is. So like, we're around those people. It starts to create, the conversations are the same way. The conversations that you're around, the conversations that you are saying, right? You'll, you'll begin to look like those conversations. I'll, I'll take it another step and say this is that we become what we post about. I know social media is a big thing these days, but we become what we post about. There is power in our words, and we are always pointing with our words. We're pointing in a direction. We're, we're telling people what they should go, where they should go. Our words are powerful. So how, how do you speak to your kids? Do your kids look at you as more encouraging, as more like everything that you say is going to be like, well, this is what you did wrong, right? You, we have to, as a parent, we have to like keep our words and hold our words, right? I've got a son that's 20 and I'm like talking to him on the phone and in my mind, I'm going to be like, all right, son, I got three things you need to do. This is what I'm thinking, right? But instead I'm like, you're doing great, son. Good job, right? So how, how am I encouraging my son? How am I helping him? My kids, how, how are you helping your kids? Your spouse, like what do you say about your spouse around others, how does, does your, your spouse feel encouraged and lifted up when you are with your friends? People grow into the conversations that we have around them, that will grow into those. Our key verse, we talked about that, was Hebrews. It says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So we get the first part, right? We go with that, right? Every single day, not 
not later, tomorrow, or next week, but, but today, right? We're gonna encourage somebody today. The second part talks about sin's deceitfulness, that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin is an active, powerful force. It is like a cancer that is just going around wanting to destroy, to eat away, to affect and change. You know, sin doesn't take a holiday or a day off. You're not like, oh, sin's got PTO for this week. This is going to be a great week. Sin does not stop. So what does sin do? Sin lies. Sin lies to you. What you're seeing things, all that lies. It's, sin distracts. We talked about this even last week. It distracts us, wants to keep our eyes off of Jesus, put our eyes on something else. Sin destroys. But I know families have been destroyed over sin. Lives have been destroyed over sin. Sin tears down. There's nothing positive and uplifting about sin. It wants to tear you down. Sin will tell you what you don't have. This is a, this is a big one, right? We, we compare. We look at things. Why don't I have this? How come God blessed this person but didn't bless me this way? Sin wants to make you compare, tell you what you don't have. Sin will tell you why you don't matter. You're not good enough. You can't do it. No, they're way better, right? Sin, sin wants us to find happiness uh, outside of God's will. It wants us to find those things and then take joy in things outside of God's will. I don't know about you, but I face discouragement every single day. I've got voices that tell me that, that I'm not good enough. Voices that say that, that I can't do it. And because I need encouragement, I'm gonna freely give it. Encouragement causes hopefulness. Causes hopefulness. It brings out revelation that, that really overrules our, our realities. It keeps us moving forward. It keeps our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because I need encouragement, I'm gonna freely get it, give it. Because I need it, I'm, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna say it, I'm, I'm gonna spout it out. You might be thinking, well, I'm not really good at that. Right? I'm not, right? You're like, I know an encourager, but I'm not really an encourager. That's just not really that my thing. It doesn't come naturally. You know what else didn't come naturally? Walking. And you all, I watched you all come in. You guys were pretty good. <laughs> Trained well in walking. But if there's, if there's a gift that we could pick up, a gift that we can say, you know, I want to do this more, that would be encouragement. Here's a simple way to look at it. If you think something good, say it. If you think something good, say it. Text it. Call it. Write a note. Put a sticky note on, right? Order the airplane that goes across the beach with the little feather banner thing, right? Whatever it takes to encourage somebody when you think something good, say it. The moment you think it, make it happen. Don't wait. Do it on the spot. Why would we ever want to rob someone of a blessing that goes unexpressed? Why would we want to hold that back? Because we know what it's like when you get a text that's encouragement or, or somebody says something to you. So why would we want to hold that back from anyone else? Remember, you have no idea what God can do through a single word of encouragement. Second thought. When you speak encouragement to others, it changes the way they see themselves. Changes the way they see themselves. There's a man in the New Testament. His name's Saul. Pretty horrible man. He took pride in, in killing Christians, wiping them out. Scholars believe that he was probably a part of thousands of Christians dying. He would, if he knew somebody was a believer, he would go into their house and drag them out and kill them. In Acts 9, he has an encounter with Jesus. And this is the Jason Nicholas version. So I'm going to give this to you. He says, Saul, this is Jesus talking to Saul. He says, why are you persecuting me? Saul's like, well, who are you? What's going on here, right? He's like, I'm Jesus. He blinds Saul. 
on the spot. Saul and his friends are there. His friends take him back home, back to the city. And while this is going on, Jesus goes to Ananias and he says, hey, listen, you need to go to the city and restore Saul's sight. I told him the guy Ananias is coming. Ananias is like, Jesus, do you know who this guy is? Right, just a few days ago, he's dragging people out and killing them. Come on, Jesus, are you serious? For real? Like, I'm gonna lay hands on him, but it's gonna be a different kind of hands, right? <laughs> Ananias is jacked up, ready to go. But Jesus says, nope, gotta do it. Got big plans for him. Ananias heads to Saul's house. Scripture says that placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Ananias shows up with an encouraging word. He shows up with some affection, laying hands on him. And then everything changed. Encouragement can change the direction of a person's life. You might, might have changed your life, some encouragement. Y'all, when I went, met my wife, I was 18 years old. She wasn't my wife then, you get what I'm saying? Uh, she is my biggest encourager by all, like top-notch biggest encourager. I wouldn't be the man I was, I wouldn't be who I was if it wasn't for my wife. But when we met, I was 18. Um, I had dyed my hair so much, it was white. That's probably why I have no hair now. Um, I had an eyebrow ring, I had earrings, I had plugs. Y'all remember Jinkos? Bam, they were so big. Y'all look good. It's coming back. I'm waiting for the day. Trade out my skinny jeans. Um, I remember her on her first date. She was wearing this white polo Tommy Hilfiger shirt with these like brown belt, some jean shorts, and some Keds. Pulled up in her red Honda, and I was like, I'm in love, right? And there's me thinking, Anyway, I was in love, and she was like, this is a joke. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> so I won because we got married, or right? I know you're wondering. Um, so we've been married a few years, and we we're serving in the church that we were part of, and um, just that I'd gotten saved in. We were the youth pastors there, and so leading just tons of friends and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then one day, the, the senior pastor, um, he actually kind of said something to me. It wasn't like a big deal to him, but it actually kind of changed a lot. He said, have you ever thought about going to Bible college? I think it could be good for you. That's all he said. You ever thought about going to Bible college? I think it could be good for you. And what that one line did is make me go home, us to begin to talk about it, pray about it. And that one line made all my family mad. (laughs) It made all our friends mad because we packed up everything. We decided to leave everything we knew. We're like, we're going to go to Bible college. You know what made my family even more mad? Is our daughter was two weeks old when we were like, see you later. We're like, what? You're taking two grandkids? And this was, you know, so it, it didn't go well. They love me now. We worked through that 22 years later. And so we left everything from one single word of encouragement, one, one little phrase. This is why I'm saying that our words are powerful. What you say is powerful. So Saul, back to Saul, he, he began to preach and he's, he's proclaiming the name of Jesus. But the disciples, with all good reason, were still afraid of him. They're like, this could be a joke. He could be pretending. I feel like we're going to have a service, and at any minute, he's just going to wipe us all out. Right, so how do we even know that he is real? So this is where we pick up in Acts 9. When he came to Jerusalem, this is Saul, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. 
He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas is sharing this story about him. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. You know, know why this is fantastic, why I love this? It's this right here. The one with the most hope has the most influence. The one with the most hope. Man, think about that. You, you know a person that's influential. I guarantee you there's something about hope. There's something hope-filled about them. The one with the most hope has the most influence. It says, but Barnabas, but Barnabas. Did you know that's not even his real name? His real name was Joseph. His name was, but he got the, that nick, the nickname Barnabas because that means son of encouragement. How cool is that? That your nickname now becomes son of encouragement, right? What's up, Mr. Encouragement coming in the door? Woo, right? Mr. Encouragement, so glad you're here. Everything is gonna be better. You know, Acts 11, there was a new church plant and they wanted to send somebody out to be a part of this church plant. So they sent Barnabas. Scripture says when he got there, he encouraged them. The very next verse says, they grew in numbers. They didn't get together and be like, all right, y'all, we need to send the best guitar player because he'll slay it. Let's get the best speaker because that's what's gonna make a difference in this church. They're like, all right, let's get all the people that make coffee together. We're gonna taste test, test them all. Who makes the best coffee? They're like, no, let's get Barnabas. Let's get the best encourager. Let's send him and they'll grow in numbers. Encouragement opens the heart of people to God working in their life. It's gonna open up their heart. It's gonna change things. Remember, you have no idea what God might do through a single word of encouragement. Barnabas takes Saul and really the next five chapters is about five years. Spends time with him. He encourages him. He, he guides him. Saul's name gets changed to Paul. Many of you know Paul, right? You've heard of Paul. Paul wrote 13 books of the Bible, started churches. You know how many books of the Bible Barnabas wrote? Zero. Zero. Mr. Encouragement, though, changed history. Mr. Encouragement changed everything for all of us. Mr. Encouragement helped Paul go from Christian killer to demon slayer, right? Changed absolutely everything. Our encouragement can be a game changer. And you don't have to know the person. It doesn't have to be your best friend. It could be a neighbor, right? It could be you're buying groceries and you're like, you are the best bagger I've seen in my entire life. Maybe don't lie, but you know, be encouraging. You're at the drive-thru, you're like, man, I'm so thankful this drive-thru is fast. You guys are crushing. You know, just little simple words can change everything because encouragement can change the direction of people's life. Here's the third point. When you speak encouragement to yourself, it changes what you see. It changes what you see. We said this earlier, but you know, people are facing battles that no one knows anything about. That probably includes you. That includes me. Being, being a pastor or working at a church, right? I didn't sign up and they're like, all right, well, discouragement free for the rest of your life. You're good to go, pastor. No, I didn't collect $200 and go to go. No, it, there's still discouragement. There's still real life things that are happening. And you might say, sometimes the person that needs the most encouragement is you. This is a big deal. How we talk to ourselves. But listen, we say things to ourselves that if somebody else said, you would karate chop them, right? right? You would just be like, excuse me, what did you say, right? We say things that are just, man, the worst to ourselves. And from the outside looking in, we, we can look like we have it all together. We're smiling, things are great. Maybe it's Sunday and you're like, everything's awesome, right? It's great, great, happy Sunday. But on the inside, you're, you're insecure, you're hurt, you're struggling, 
right? People look at you and they're like, man, those people, that, that family's got it all together. I wish we could be like this family. I wish we could be like this person, this guy, this girl. But on the inside, that person is falling apart. They got a lot going on. They're, they're fighting battles. Sometimes the person that needs it the most is you. So listen, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to show you some scripture that, that has helped me, that's helped me work through this and walk through this, and I, I think it will help you today. It's in the Old Testament. It's in Samuel. This is, this is David. Now David, he, he was the king of Israel. If you don't know who David is, he, he was a valiant warrior. This is the guy who killed Goliath, right? So the stuff we hear about him, you're like, dude, that guy's a rock star, David. So he and his army had just gotten back from battle. They were heading home to Ziklag. Man, they're, they're pumped up. Everything's great. They get to Ziklag, and it is wiped out. Enemies have come, destroyed the whole city, burned it to the ground, right? They've, they've kidnapped their kids. They've kidnapped the wives, the men, David's mighty men. They are not so mighty anymore. They're mighty upset, right? They're mad. They're wondering what's going on. They, they want somebody to blame, and so who do they blame? Like David. Like, this is David's fault. This is his problem. We got to do something about it. Let's make David pay. Let's kill him. Let's put him to death. So this is where we are leading up to that. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter, with good reason. We understand that. About losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. The phrase found strength, it's actually from a Hebrew word, shazak. Everybody say shazak. All right, now I need you to say it again with a little more umph. Not everybody said it. You ready? Shazak. All right. This is how you say it. Say it. This is what it's spelled, all right? Just kind of help you out. This is what it means. Tell yourself to be strong. Tell yourself to be strong. Shazak. Right? This is why King James Version says this. It says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. He, he encouraged himself. He spoke to himself. He told himself of the faithfulness of God. He preached to himself about the goodness of God. He reminded himself of what God has done. Some of us need to remind ourselves of what God has done in your life. You feel low and discouraged? Remind yourself of what God has done. God has been with you the whole time. Remind yourself, that's what David did. He reminded himself. What David saw was disappointment. What David saw was despair and loss. Think about this. I don't know if you've ever been like with a team or something, but there's something exciting about a win that you feel, you know, everybody's like excited and all that kind of change and things going on. Everybody's like jacked up. Ah, we want, right? So they're coming back jazzed. And they're like, can't wait to tell our wives and kids about how we crushed everything. You know, they're, they're pumped, right? They're probably like, doing some songs, we will, we will, mm. right? They're doing some dance, they're, they're just ready to go. And what do they see, right? I, I imagine they're, they're a little far out and they're like, you smell smoke? And they're like, ah, oh, it's probably one of the guys up front. <laughs> they get a little closer like, yo, I think I see, man, yo, that's our home. They walk into despair and hopelessness, just the worst of all things. They went from the top of the food chain to the bottom of the food chain to have absolutely nothing. When all they saw was hopelessness, when all they saw was despair and discouragement, says David, encouraged himself in the Lord. 
He preached to himself. He built himself up in the things of the faith. He built himself up in the things of his Lord, the Lord. He got his Shazak back. Listen, some of y'all, you need to get your Shazak back. You need to get your Shazak back. You need to strengthen yourself. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord. Let me show you why this is so important. So we had those verses and that happens. He strengthens himself in the Lord. Right after this verse, it says, Then David asked the Lord, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord said to him, Yes. That's how I imagine him saying it. Yes. You will surely recover everything. What was taken from you will be yours again. So when did this word of victory come? It came after David encouraged himself in the things of God. This is key because strengthening, strengthening ourselves in him brings victory. Not strengthening ourselves in ourselves. Strengthening ourselves in him brings victory. Remember, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Your self-talk, what you say to yourself, are they words of life? Are they words of faith? Or are they words of despair and death and hopelessness? You know, positive words are so difficult to remember and negative words are so difficult to forget. I don't, you probably had this happen to you, but maybe you, you do something or work or fa- whatever it could be, but you can have like 10 people come up and be like, man, that was amazing, so good, right? You're all encouraging all this stuff. And then you always got that one person. <sighs> don't be that person, no. There's always that one person and they gotta have something negative to say or what you should have done or what you could have done better or this or that. There's always that one person. And it changes everything. What do you remember? The one. I worked construction back in the day. This old carpenter I worked with, he'd always say, 10 attaboys, they can be ruined by one uh-oh. 10 attaboys, ruined by one uh-oh. Man, I want to tell you, look, you're going to have uh-ohs. You're going to have those things. Don't let it ruin everything. Don't let it change everything because positive words are so difficult to remember and negative words are so difficult to forget. You know that our brains, neurologists say that they're actually almost predisposed to believe the negative right off the bat. You hear something, you can go negative right off the bat, but it takes up to 15 seconds of focusing on anything positive before you start to believe it. How crazy is that? Negative, boom. Positive, let me think about it for a while. 15 seconds, right? That was not 15 seconds, but you get what I'm saying. We're wired that way. That's that's the way we lean. But David encouraged himself. He talked to himself. He preached to himself. He built himself up in the Lord. We we can read through Psalms, and we're not going to do all that, but three different times he said the same thing. It's like reading into his journal, reading what he was doing. He says, why so downcast, O my soul? He would encourage himself and say, put your hope in the Lord. Listen, when you're, when you're down, you need to remind yourself of the goodness, of the faithfulness, of the power and provision of God. Put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. Put your provision in God. He will never leave you. He is completely for you. Why? So downcast on my soul. Put your hope in God. You know what David didn't say? David, you got this. You're the man. You need to look in the mirror and be like, today's your day, David. Let's go. He didn't tell himself those things. He said, you need to put your hope in God. Okay, David, feeling a little low? You need to put your hope in God. 
He preached to himself. He got his Shazak back. Now, he didn't deny his problems or pretend that there was nothing wrong, but he chose to look through them. He chose to look beyond, to to look at the promises of God, to begin to see himself the way God sees him. Some of y'all need to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. See yourself that way. Get your Shazak back. Speak things to yourself. Remind yourself of scripture that say, my God is my provider. My God is my protector. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The same power that rose Christ from the dead now lives in me. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. That in this life we will have trouble, but Christ says, take heart for I have overcome the world. We live from a place of victory and there's nothing we have to do because God has already done it. Get your Shazak back. You have no idea what a single word of encouragement can do to you or to somebody else. It can absolutely change everything. Let's, let's live this out. Let's be people of encouragement. There is power in, in it. Do it today. Man, when you leave today, pull out the phone, text somebody, call somebody, whatever it is. You probably have somebody already that you're thinking, I should encourage them. I should say this. Do it. Don't wait. Because guess what? You're going to forget. That's why we say, when you think about it, say it. Do it. Go, 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 go. The most important thing you can do is to stay encouraged. Be encouraged. We live in a very non-encouraging world. We said this earlier. The one with the most hope has the most influence. We are called to have influence. We are people of influence. And you know why? Because we've got hope. We've got a hope in Jesus. I don't know if you read the whole Bible, but we win. So let's live like we're victorious. Victorious people are encouraging. And I'm not saying you're not. So I'm just encouraging you to be encouraging, right? How does that work? It works, right? Be encouraging. Man, the one with the most hope has the most influence. Remember, when you're surrounded by people who speak encouragement, it changes the way you see yourself. When you speak encouragement to someone else, it changes the way they see themselves. And when you speak encouragement to yourself, it changes what you see. Would you stand up with me? I'd love to pray for us. God, I just thank you for the way that you love us. I pray for those in the room right now that might feel discouraged, that might feel low. Father, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, you would just remind them of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of who you are. Father, let us get our Shazak back. Let us be people of encouragement people of life, people of joy, people of hope. Let us change everything. Let us be people of influence because of our hope that is in you. So even today, God, as, as we leave this place, God, we just, we are people of encouragement and we say thank you. We love you. You are a good and mighty God. We're grateful for who you are. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Everybody said amen. Let's sing this out.